Hello, my friends. Thank you so much for tuning in to Operation Tango Romeo, the Trauma Recovery Podcast. This show is for veterans, first responders, and their families, and honestly, for anybody who wants to recover from trauma. We are on a mission to save lives and relieve pain by making help for PTS injuries easily accessible. Our vision is of a world where the path to recovery is clear. Please help with this mission by following and rating this show on either Apple Podcasts or Spotify. This simple action will help others find help for PTS injuries. Your help in promoting this podcast could be saving a life. We are rolling for another edition of Operation Tango Romeo, the trauma recovery podcast for veterans, first responders, and their families. My longtime listeners will know that I have had the topic psilocybin mushrooms numerous times, and there's a reason for that. Out of all the different modalities of help, psilocybin mushrooms have helped me the most and the most directly. Uh, and the, it's such an immediate lift that it gives you, and both macro and micro dosing. And there have been other benefits as well because they do build new neural pathways, which is pretty cool. So today I am thrilled to have on the show Bill Siprick. He is the CEO of Optima Health out of Princeton, British Columbia. And he just built a gargantuan mushroom plant to build these psilocybin mushrooms. He's not running up and down the mountains picking them like everybody else. He's got a proper plant. And uh, Bill, thanks so much for being here today. Uh, thanks for having me. And, and just one minor point, it's Optimi with a I. Well, of yeah. course, if I'm going to screw something up. <laughs> so Optimi. All good. All good. Well, I put in Optima. Oh, well. <laughs> well. I think there's an Optima credit card. We know that because as we've looked at some names that we're using for branding, we've been very clear with certain organizations that are saying, hey, interesting you're, you, you're considering that name. <laughs> let's, let's change your thoughts. All right. Well, that, look, updated in real time. There we go. Now it's fixed on Fantastic. the ticker. We're good to go. Uh, so, Bill, this is a big, big, big venture with something that hasn't even been legalized for public consumption yet, although it's been on this, the table. But the mm-hmm. um, the whole process for building the plant had to have started at least seven years ago to get all the permits and everything else. So how were you so confident that you could put this all together, get the investors and build so many years ago when we still haven't really breaking, broken through uh, the legalities yet? Uh, a good question. I think uh, to answer it, a, a couple things sort of fell into mind. Uh, the, the interesting part is the idea of the company from the four founders, so that's J.J. Wilson, Dane Stevens, Brian, and Jake Safrick, actually started about three years ago. So there, there's always been a shared passion for not just not just psilocybin mushrooms, but functional mushrooms as well. It, I would say that it really translated into the, the guys saying, we feel that this is really optimized, our good to great. How do we share that with the rest of the world? And what could that look like? And as the value chain and the, the space was defining itself, the piece that kind of stood out was saying, well, and all of these gentlemen with their background, they, they love products. It's like, well, we, we think we want to be a products company. So that's both in functional uh, psilocybin mushrooms and psychedelics. So what does that look like? That was sort of the premise. And I would say the, the, the amazing part is we actually, from the time that the business was truly formed, so three years ago was an idea. 
uh, and, and the incorporation uh, two years ago is when it really kicked into gear and these gentlemen who all have other business interests started doing it, uh, I'd say, a little more than part-time and then slowly started bringing on the team. I myself just joined in September of last year as the CEO. The When, when the idea, though, was saying, look, we think that there's something here to be able to provide pharmaceutical-grade psilocybin and functional mushrooms. And in their analysis was kind of looking around the world saying, we're not sure if this really exists. Like maybe we've certainly seen claims of other organizations that are stating that this is something that they do or that they can do. And I would tell you that as we got deeper, and then it was a bit of a risk bet, to be very honest. It was more looking and saying, we're passionate about the space. We believe that whether it's Canada or other parts of the world, the world's waking up to the benefits of functional and psychedelic mushrooms. So, so uh, let's just pause for a moment. What do you mean by functional mushrooms? Functional meaning uh, everything from reishi, chaga, cordyceps, lion's mane, turkey tail. Okay. Mushrooms that have been used, uh, I would actually say medicinally, for thousands of years by First Nations and Eastern cultures that still has been and always was on the radar screen for them from a North American standpoint, we're kind of waking up and saying there's really something here. And it's a, it's a massive category uh, in terms of the, the functional mushroom space. And so we, we have a functional mushroom lineup that's in market today that you can see on optimylife.ca. Uh, but the, the premise behind our facility was if you're going to be a player in the space and we want it to be on the supply side and product side, then you have to have, which in my background originally is from pharmaceuticals and healthcare with Procter & Gamble 30 years ago, you need to be at a certain standard. And that's sort of an EU GMP or good manufacturing practices standard. So when you go into the drugstore today, even every bottle of aspirin, every, every medicine that you're getting over the counter, and certainly prescription, there's a fairly high protocol and standard that has to be met for that product to be on the shelf. To be able to produce that, you need a facility that actually has standards and practices, not just by design, but also how you either synthesize the product, cultivate the product, and then finish the product to put it in uh, to the opportunity for human consumption. We want it to be best in the world at doing that. And the fortunate part about and, and why we were able to do this so quickly is the Safford brothers have, uh, I'd say, a, their own business, which is uh, BC Green or, or Castle Rock Industries, and it's a cannabis company. And that's something that they spent years researching, looking at the space, seeing, again, where there was a bit of a, you know, where was that real sweet spot because there was a lot of people that were jumping into that bandwagon. And their premise was fairly simple, which is we're going to produce top quality. We're going to, we're going to put a purpose-built facility in place from the ground up, which they did, 80,000 square feet in Princeton, and focus on that top quality. So having a GMP or a clean room standard from the minute you leave the change rooms to going through the air shower, right through your cultivation rooms to finishing rooms, right through to shipping. And you know, the fortunate part for us because of their involvement with Optimi, twofold. One is to be able to get land and quick access to uh, a space where we could build in Princeton. Uh, but the other is a design that they've got this state-of-the-art proprietary design that w- basically gives you perfect growing cultivation and processing conditions. And we mim- mimicked it 
with Optimize. So that on its own sped up our process probably by a few years. The other part I need to mention is the town of Princeton has been amazing. Uh, they, they've been supportive when it came to... That's huge. That's such a yeah, big part uh, of the piece of the pie. Absolutely. I mean, the the Safrics originally intended to build their facility in the Fraser Valley and just kept hitting headwinds. And it was on a bit of a whim that they had heard there was this community in Princeton, British Columbia, which, you know, for your listeners who don't know where that is, that it's in the interior of British Columbia, uh, but pretty far south. Uh, It's a really beautiful valley, an area of the Thompson Smilkameen Valley. And a community of about 5,000. There's a drive-in uh, like theater a, there, isn't there? There used to be. I don't know that it's still there. Uh, I drove past it while there was a movie on. I pulled over on the side of the road and watched uh, the Flintstones <laughs> watch. movie. Yeah, I, I could believe that. I mean, in the town, I think I played a hockey tournament there in 1980. And when I went up there for the first time a little while ago, wasn't uh, some parts haven't changed. The downtown is really changed and, and cleaned up and it's 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 quite nice and again people are friendly but on the business side they wanted us to be there they've got the you know they're fortunate they actually have a couple really big anchor resource companies that are there but they're resource based so that work can be very seasonal right now it's good because commodity prices are high so there's lots of work that changes that makes it very difficult. Between BC Green and Optima, we're probably in the coming years going to be the two two of the biggest employers. And it's different too because you're not working outside. You're working in, you know, state of the art clean facility. Um, it's quiet. <laughs> it's it's very peaceful. And as I said, it's just it's it's different, a little more cerebral work. And in this uh, state of the art facility, and when people walk in, there is that wow effect. And if I didn't share with you, I'd be happy and I'll make sure that you've got our corporate video and we've got a virtual walkthrough from when we did our grand opening at the end of May. Because uh, it really is something to see. For people who haven't, you have an image in your mind when you think of whether it's uh, somebody that grows psilocybin mushrooms, like I had this image of hippies and yurts, and I'll say that fully respectfully. Uh, <laughs> hey, nothing wrong with, the, with either hippies or yurts. They're both pretty no, cool. No, and, and sure enough, there are facilities or there are companies where that that is their model as hippies and yurts and how they're growing and they're just going to grow to a different standard we're going to produce to a pharmaceutical grade standard and it's not saying one is better than the other other than i have a sense of what regulatory bodies are looking for and i think i know it's it's at a pharmaceutical grade standard so a little bit so is the I had on the show a while ago uh, somebody who makes psilo- the synthetic psilocybin, and mm-hmm. it's all about having predictable dosages. So is, yes. the, is, is the goal with the psilocybin mushrooms to have uh, a strain that is so predictable that a gram is a gram is a gram as far as the kick that it has with psilocybin? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a few things. Because of the state-of-the-art facility and our monitoring equipment, so we have what's called an Argus system, which is sort of your back end that we have in each, we've got two 10,000 square foot facilities, each with five incubation rooms and five growing rooms. Uh, I'm going to have to come down for a tour, Bill. Yeah, it's worth seeing. It's like I said, it's pretty awesome. But I mean, for perspective, just in our first facility, we have the ability to grow basically a couple thousand kilograms a month of dried psilocybin mushroom That's or, or functional. Mushroom. So it's, it's big scale because, you know, in the rooms, they're 14 foot ceilings. Actually it's higher. I think they're 22 foot ceilings and we, we will grow vertical grow uh, up, up to 14. The, 
the piece about standardized dosing. So there's a couple things with our Argus well, systems. We'll know the exact growing conditions. What's what's your market right now, deal. though? Like with with the legalities, like who's able to purchase them now? Basically, it's mostly clinical trials and drug formulators. Okay, and then jurisdictions where again, any any jurisdiction in the world. And we're getting requests from around the world for our product. It's the same idea that the pathways to legal access, which which is where we play, is through clinical trials, R and D, and and molecular discovery and development. So that that's where the demand is right now. And you know, it's not massive, uh, but that's okay because we're also getting a lot of demand for functional mushrooms. Strains. How are these? Hey, we have a product for lion's mane. Can you grow us? Sure. 2,000 kilograms of lion's mane? And the answer is, well, yes, we can. And, and in conditions that are better than anywhere else in the world. I want to talk about the functional mushrooms in a moment, but uh, the companies that are out there that are, how are they performing? Like companies like Shroom Bros, where you can go and you can buy psilocybin mushrooms and it just shows up in the mail. And uh, how the hell are they getting away with it and and not going to jail and it's professionally packaged and and everything else like how does that even happen i'd say it's a it's a gray line so similar to what we saw with cannabis uh starting about 20 years ago where basically it, and it was really pronounced here in vancouver probably more than other parts of the country sure. you had affectionately i'll call them these head shops where people had all the paraphernalia you could use to smoke or do whatever you want with cannabis. And then they just got bold enough to start selling it. And same idea. It was a little less of a novel idea about this whole mail order, like you just described, but it was true. The, the challenge was, and, and what we're seeing today, and the reason why you don't see enforcement of the fact that it is a controlled substance. So what that company is doing and many others that are selling psilocybin mushrooms, it is 100% illegal. There is nothing in the law that says you can do this. But there's the a blind eye being turned somehow. Laws don't mean anything if yeah. they're not enforced. Yeah. And right now with the opiate crisis, the law enforcement focus, because believe me, as a legitimate going through a lot of hoops, spending a lot of money to be a, a legal supplier of psilocybin, uh, that's challenging for us. And, and if, if Health Canada truly believes in this notion of self, safe supply, you would think, why shouldn't there be, because forget about the, the claims, because of course, I, I know the company you're talking about and a few others, and they claim sure. GMP. I can promise you they're not. So how <laughs> is somebody really going to get sick from that product? Probably not. Uh, are they going to die from it? Probably not, because the you know, unless it was laced with something, I, I highly doubt it. But, but it's all a wing and a prayer. I mean, there's no regulation. Uh, there's no way to know if it, like what you're getting. No way. It's the Wild West. And it's unfortunate yeah. because for those of us that are legitimately trying to really further the cause, and in particular, because I know we're going to get to it, but for people who could really benefit, like veterans and people who have had end uh, of life existentialism and, and the hoops that we make them jump through today to try to find a peace of mind before they pass away and, and, and maybe have some opportunity because there's no conventional meds that give you that peace of mind. You know, forget about no. SSRIs and other meds. They're not going to help you come to peace with what your mortality or lack of could be. Uh, well, isn't MDMA anyways, and, and psilocybin fairly similar in how they function? 
slightly different in terms of the neural pathways and the receptors that they either activate or or inhibit uh, to basically i mean the 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 net result is effectively the same because you're you're basically boosting serotonin levels like for the simple way and they're both nootropic products which means they help open up or or reconnect neural pathways that otherwise were not they both also have a function in the light the the, the layman's way i described is they both have this ability to almost do like a control alt delete or a reset of neural pathways and that's why it's so effective uh, both medic medications or both uh, molecules for ptsd or addictions because you kind of unlearn some of the things that are causing you the whether it's addiction or or trauma and that's sort of the no pun intended but the magic of of the psychedelics but back back to your original question when it comes to the standardization we're going to be because we know the exact conditions of how we grow and when we hit what i would say is that optimal yield and right now what everyone's looking for is potency for psilocybin mushrooms so when we grow the one that is one and a half or two or two and a half percent uh, psilocybin uh, by dried weight, we know the conditions that we're able to obtain that and we can basically clone grow, clone grow, rinse, repeat. So we can almost literally make this super strain if that's really what is being looked for. Are you also going to make a uh, psilocybin extract from them? Well, that's it. We, we have the ability. So when, when we advertise when we talk to interested parties when the inquiries come in we will provide dried biomass so the basically dried mushrooms ground uh, we also will do those encapsulate it and because it's clinical trials we'll not only encapsulate it and standardize it so it's it, to be very honest if you've got good products standardizing it to a dose is not that difficult that's just that's just the well. I, th- I think the, the the clinicians are a little bit too anal about that because you can't OD on this stuff, and no. uh, like if you underdo it, so what? If you overdo it, so what? I overdid it recreation. Well, not recreationally; it was therapeutically, but I had to do it the the way that I don't want to do it, which is you know um, growing myself and taking myself. Uh, and overdid it, but overdid it just means like, oh man, I can't wait for the seven hours to pass. But yeah. um, actually, let's if, go. If you look at the regulations, I mean, basically, getting to a standardized dose is not that difficult. It's a little trickier with biomass because, but if you homogenize your biomass, so you take your capture stems, you grind them, and then that's what you're using as your base, and you test it. You know, we've got a analytical state of the art lab, but we also do third party testing to make sure that we know what is the potency of the mix and the composition or the, the element of the tryptamines uh, that are in it as well. So we produce a certificate of analysis, which er- every other medicine has to do. Sure. And then it's just good composition when you're doing your compounding, whether it's using biomass to encapsulate, standardized to whether you're doing a 1, a 5, a 15, a 25 milligram, or you create an extract, you do it that way, which again gives you even better refinement. Uh, but we're also going to be producing isolate. We've got the equipment and we've got the scientific team uh, that that is exactly what we're going to be doing. So what do you mean an isolate? Isolate is basically where you strip out everything other than the psilocybin. So the, the individual you were speaking to about synthetic, they're synthetically producing through, you know, using molecular synthesis, psilocybin. We can get to a pure psilocybin by stripping out everything other than the psilocybin. So we have the machines and the technology and the know-how to do that. 
And interesting that we are getting a lot of demand for that because the difference between an isolate of psilocybin coming from biomass as a starting point and synthetic is one is natural, one is not. And when people are given the choice, I mean, think of your own. If somebody gives you the choice of saying, I've got two products, they're both equally as potent. One is natural, one is synthetic, which is your choice. We've learned in cannabis and a lot of other areas, nine out of 10 times, people take the natural. Does your company have any respect for the spiritual side of the mushrooms? Is that taking into account? Or are you just looking at it as a clinician of milligrams of psilocybin and looking at it from a chemical perspective? I'd say that there, there's a, a, a full respect there. Uh, our head of cultivation, Todd Henderson, is uh, First Nation Cree. Hmm. And he he actually learned the whole, you know, cultivation practices from his grandfather when he was 15. And then when his father passed away, he was the one who sort of continued that from a tradition standpoint. Uh, I would tell you that we're respectful, and I'll say that even because the 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 founders, a lot of their experiences were certainly more on the uh, ritualistic. Might be a bit of a strong word, but it wasn't because you know in some cases it was well I need to microdose, but a macrodose is more saying I need to go deep and I need to discover more about me and and what makes me tick. And if there are certain things or inhibitions, uh, you know, peop- you go in. As, as you know, because it sounds like you've macrodosed, what's your state of purpose? What 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 is it you're looking to get out of it? And then post your your experience and then the integration, that's where you get to really unpack to see, okay, well, what did I learn? And, it, and then if you're going to do it again sometime later, what do you want to go, what's your intention in that case? So I think that there's a bit of deliberateness. The, cl- the clinician side, uh, we've had, you can imagine, e- even when it comes to clinical trials, there's that fine standard where you have some people that are writing protocols and they're looking at it from a ritualistic standpoint and, and the bump they run into. And this isn't just in Canada, other parts of the world. Ironically, U.S. being a little more lax with what I'm going to describe. If they don't see something that really describes a clinical protocol that a regulator from FDA or TPD Canada or Health Canada can look and go, that makes sense. That isn't going – and they're always looking from lens of saying, is the patient going to be put at risk? That, that's the number one criteria they always look for. And then do we think that there might be hope for some level of an outcome that we all want to see and study? If there's not that rigor in and it's more for ritualistic and it would be something such as, well, we want to see if it helps me get closer to my deity, whatever that is, that probably would get rejected under a formal protocol. And I'd say that's unfortunate because who, who, the protocols who are that, the, the protocols that are being used for ketamine that must have paved the way for you guys because there's ketamine clinics popping up all over the place and it, it's similar and the the only difference is that I mean they still put you in a really nice environment um, it's not just you're in a dentist chair you know uh, tripping balls on ketamine um, they're, they're with the clinician. And they, they walk you through, through the experience and they have a certain protocol of how they get the most out of that experience and help you connect the dots and guide you through, through the process. Um, loosely called, the, the shamans that are out there do the same with, with, with psilocybin. Be nice yes. if there was a, <laughs> some way to standardize that, you know, because you, you have to go by word of mouth. There's no other way for that but has the ketamine treatments provided you a template for um for for psilocybin are they almost interchangeable really 
Uh, I'd say, and again, the clinicians would tell you it's a different experience mm. uh, because obviously it's a shorter half-life with, with ketamine, but a, a little more intense. So, and, and to be honest, uh, I, I'm only going to say a little riskier from the point of view that there are more pronounced uh, serious side effects you can get from a ketamine infusion versus psilocybin or an MDMA assisted therapy. So the clinician or the, the guide has to be really on, on guard and aware. Uh, there's good protocols. And in fact, you know, state of Oregon, uh, several centers here at Majorney Center, uh, which is in Calgary, they've got amazing protocols that they've put together. And I'm going to guess it's probably stuff dusted off from 40, 50 years ago when there was almost right. this, it, when all of the guides and, and the ethics and the how-to went underground, the the people that were tr- trying to truly keep the practice above board worked hard to establish protocols and sort of the how do you help guide someone through and what does that look like? Uh, so I'd say there's there was actually a good base. The piece that a lot of the groups are doing today with the clinic focus, like I say, like Atma, uh, uh, Savvy Mind, that we, we also work with out of uh, Calgary, they're focused on how do we train people to be really effective at what they do. And yes, ketamine right now is the legal pathway, like the easiest one, because it, it can be used off-label fairly easily. And that's what's keeping a lot of these clinics going. So they're getting practice and understanding how to do that you know, how to be a good guide is just going to look a little different in terms of what that looks like when someone's taking psilocybin or MDMA uh, or ketamine, which by the way, I, I need to note that MDMA, we just announced last week, again, because of the state-of-the-art facilities we have, the mach- the equipment plus the scientific know-how, it's also something that we're going to be offering. Uh, and, and at this point, it will be for clinical trials and for uh, special access program patients who require it. The psilocybin experience is different with different strains. Uh, I'd be very interested in, in trying the synthetic to see what the difference is like, but it, it's a very personal experience for people. So yep. um, they, they will find the different strains give you a very different experience. They serve different purposes. Um, when people ask me, it's like, well, we're, we're all like a, a bunch of kids learning sex education from the playboy we found in the ditch. You know, like we're, we're all guessing here, but all I, but I personally like the golden teachers. Uh, yep. it, it's a very gentle ride and very helpful. Uh, I try, I've tried others. I'm like, Oh, that's very different. That, uh, that did not feel healing. It was more, um, just an experience. I don't know yes. if that did anything good for me. So how, is there a particular strain that uh, you're going with, or are you trying a bunch of different strains with psilocybin? We're trying a bunch. So there's, I mean, as you're probably aware, there's hundreds of species of psilocybe cubensis. And we, we have over 40, and, and I'd say we're growing that bank uh, as we speak. The, bigger, the biggest demand that we're seeing quite frankly, has usually been for a golden teacher. Uh, we also have one called Z-Strain, which is the, the nice name. Uh, is this a PG-13 crowd? Because I can tell you the street name, which is... Oh, oh, no, go right ahead. You can even drop up an F-bomb on the show. Yeah, it's you, a Jedi mindfuck. Yeah, well, there you go. And F-bom- if we hit, F-bomb launched. Yeah, Z-Strain or Jedi mindfuck. If we hit a recreational market somewhere, you can imagine that we won't market it as Z-Strain because I think that would be quite interesting or intriguing. But I think there's a lot of people who would love it either way. 
uh, they're both pretty potent. The other one that also uh, I would say uh, scares a lot of people is penis envy. Uh, that one is extremely <laughs> I've heard potent. of that one. That's funny. Yeah. And I, I know a few people who have said, I went to a dark place and it was, it, they, they learned from it, but said, whoa, like that wasn't what I was thinking, hoping, expecting, might not do that again. I'll think I'll, I'll go back to Golden Teacher. Our first batch, the bulk of it, you know, so we're, we're growing a, a bit of everything right now just to study, learn, and also see where the demand is because there's suppositions and medical curiosity where people are thinking that certain strains might be more effective for PTSD versus severe anxiety, depression versus an addiction. And I expect we're going to get more requests where people are going to say, you know what, we really do think that Blue Meanie is going to be the one that we need for this particular comorbidity. Will you grow up for us? And the simple answer is yes, that we're, we're, we've got the size and the knowledge and the flexibility based on the way our facility is built. We can do pretty much whatever we see. I mean, we're going to pick some winners that we think are going to be winners. The Z strain we think is going to be a tremendous winner, uh, really will. Uh, Golden Teacher, we just know because there's such a familiarity with it that that ends up a lot of times being the go-to and, and uh, product of choice. Uh, but we're staying open, to be very honest, in, in terms of, uh, you know, as I said, right now it's it's kind of like early days cannabis where everybody, people were ignoring the terpenes and just saying it's all about THC. The most potent, uh, that's really what's going to carry the day. I see the same for psilocybin. Uh, there's already some groups, though, and, and people we're talking to that are saying, actually, I'm more interested in this particular species because the baocysteine level tends to be higher. We think that might be the secret in terms of the magic for the mushroom, and we want, and, and that's what they're looking What's for. What's baocysteine? Baocysteine is one of the tryptamines that is, and it's sort of the most prominent one in the psilocybin, or in the... Slospi cubensis mushroom, and the different it has different levels depending on the species, and sometimes it's higher, sometimes it's lower, and again, it's a bit of a up and down between the psilocybin content, the baocysteine, uh, and other tryptamines that are uh, in the mushroom. What are the this is one of the questions that I should have asked in the last three <laughs> uh, times that I've had people on the show, but uh, you're probably a better person to ask anyway. The potential downsides of psilocybin, can there be permanent psychosis from it? There's, as far as I know, there's been no direct studies that make that link. The part that I would tell you, so no different than I would say any medicine or pharmaceutical, there's always contraindications. And for psychedelics, so whether it's psilocybin or MDMA or LSD or, or mescaline, it's pretty clear. And one of the things that uh, I'd say, forget about, so let's separate people that are trying these molecules recreationally versus having somebody who's guiding them. A guide when they're doing their screen is looking to see if there's a history of psychosis or uh, schizophrenia or a few other psychological conditions that might not be best suited to a psychedelic journey. Because like anything in life, it's not a magic pill. It's not for everybody. And 
even in our clinical trial, as an example. So we're doing a, a microdosing study, dose finding study with the impact group out of the University of Calgary. And we're testing at different strengths with the goal being what is the highest, the highest lowest strength, if that makes sense, you can go to where you're not inducing a psychedelic effect. However, sure. you are getting therapeutic levels of psilocin, which is what psilocybin converts to when it metabolizes when you ingest it uh, in your bloodstream. One of the exclusion criteria, even though it's healthy volunteers, is if somebody has a history of psychosis or some uh, psychological condition, whether in the family or them personally, they are excluded from the trial. For people that are working um, up in the oil sands and they have P tests on a regular basis, uh, do you know or is there any data about, um, one, are they testing for, psil- for psilocybin? Two, how long is it before it won't show up in a P test? Or does it show up in a P test? They're not. That, so the simple answer is they're not, that nobody's testing for psilocybin at this point. And in part because the methods and the assays that are required just to be able to test uh, for psilocybin are not that well understood. And there's only a handful of labs in the world, us included, that actually know how to do it. So at this point, no, it, it's not being tested. And to be honest, off off hand, I don't remember the half-life of how long it would be, uh, but I, I believe it's, uh, if I remember right from my chief science officer, I think it's, like a day or two, and it's it's already out of your system. Oh, so nothing it, like it, 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 cannabinoids at all. No, no, doesn't. No. You flush it from your system pretty quick. One fellow that I had um, from Luke Vanderpool from Denmark. Nope, Amsterdam. Um, Luke was saying that there is no science that he could find that is persuasive about microdosing. Do, having any effect although the anecdotal evidence however shows that it does have an effect uh, where's the science at for macro for the efficacy of microdosing I, I would say at this point you know having seen similar piece there there wouldn't be there's no knockout punch yet or or right. knockout piece of science that is saying microdosing is effective most of the best Benefits have been anecdotal uh, in, in people's success stories. Uh, so that's true. I mean, certainly that's that's the same that that we have seen. Uh, but I would tell you, I think I personally know half dozen people that will swear by their life just being intimately or, or infinitely better since they started microdosing. And I, I mean, hey. It, it, <laughs> I'm a fan. For, yeah. for for a while, I was taking small, um, non-psychoactive doses, and that's why I quit drinking. The, um, the non-psychoactive doses were, they help you connect dots and see things differently. So I saw alcohol in a completely different way. And what most of us that do it say, the mushroom showed me. It's like they are sentient beings is what the experience is like, even when it's not a psychedelic experience. Um, like not a psychoactive ex- experience, but it's almost as if they are sentient beings that start living within your body that, um, that help you and guide you and help you uh, connect because it's proven that they create new neural pathways, but it's, um, 
Yeah, creating all kinds of insights. So the way that I viewed alcohol changed as a direct result of microdosing, and I haven't had a drink in well over two years. That's awesome. Uh, and congratulations on that. I mean, it, it, it's uh, it, you telling me that, and thank you for sharing, takes me back to thinking of a conversation I had last month with a gentleman named Thomas Hartle. And if you're familiar with who Thomas is, he was the first Canadian. Uh, he has stage four colon cancer right. and was the first Canadian to be approved uh, through Roots to Thrive to receive uh, through special access program psilocybin treatment. So he's had several, you know, the, but this one got broadcasted a few months ago. And I had a chat with him because all of his experiences up to that point have been, and you had asked the question about sort of the difference between a synthetic and, and a, a botanical. Up to that point, all of Thomas's experience, and, and he won't mind me sharing this because I've asked him, like when he shared with me, do you mind if I share back your story? He said, no, please do. His dosage he had was synthetic, and it, it certainly helped him the story that you just shared in talking about sort of this sentient connection and the connectivity, I tried to ask him like, what was really the difference between your synthetic and the natural trip? And he summed it up to say with the synthetic, I got there quicker. So I definitely uh, hit, hit sort of my peak way faster than I, I would otherwise with a, cause he normally is just having like a biomass, no extracted product with the, the botanical. He said, the difference was, though, with the botanical, I felt this connection. And so he related it to his cancer and that he saw it and was able to actually get to know it, understand it, make his dissociation, ultimately make his peace and also know that it didn't control him. So there was this different connection he had through the natural. And when he described the synthetic, he said, I just didn't get the connection. I, I could see it. Every, I could see things but it was at a distance. It's like I was a spectator versus participant. And that was interesting. I mean, that's one person's experience opinion about the difference. Uh, I just found that intriguing. And then when you just talked about sort of what microdosing has done for you and, and how you were able to compartmentalize uh, alcohol in your life and the role or the role you didn't want it to play, that level of separation you could make. Thomas shared something similar. And like I said, it was with his cancer, but he was able to get there easier with the natural versus the synthetic. It's difficult. Uh, but again, I mean, it'd be interesting to hear from a lot more people who have had both to see, well, what was ultimately that difference? It's difficult for a lot of left brain folks to em embrace the woo-woo. But uh, I think most often the woo-woo is just science that we don't understand yet. There is something about the mycelium, how the uh, mushrooms are connected to the earth and connected to each other and just connected to entire ecosystems through via mycelia, uh, kind of like on Avatar, the movie, the whole, whole planet is full of mycelia. Um, yes. and, and the information that's connected. There's something about that, that when you ingest that mushroom, it, it gives you that connection and, and facilitates the healing. And yep. I know for anybody that's left brain, I, I get it. It sounds dumb, but that is the, the sensation that, that, that you get and it seems to work. Um, some of the ketamine practitioners that I've uh, had on have never tried ketamine and yet they have a ketamine clinic and they have patients and clients 
Now, have you yourself or has the, um, on the executive, have you made a point of taking psilocybin yourself so you can understand it at that level from a user level? Uh, yes. I mean, simple answers. All of us have definitely done, uh, macro experiences. Uh, I personally have never done a micro, uh, but macro and definitely all the others have, uh, have done macro. And, and I know for one of them, I'll leave names up for now. Of course. uh, He, 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 he does micro. So, you know, for me, uh, it's not something I ever did or grew up with. Uh, quite frankly, I've barely ever done any drugs in my life, but, figured I, I should probably walk the talk and understand it and did it under the right conditions. Uh, I'd say with the right guide, right help and, and uh, loved it. Like I, I really did. And, you know, uh, and again, the, the founders, it was part of their experiences and very positive experiences that led to them actually forming the company and saying, we, we feel that this has been fundamental to helping us in our good to great, how can we share that with the rest of the world? Like that, that it's that simple, the premise in terms of what was the group to go, we want to form a company and see what we can do and what can we be the best in the world at. Bill, that is so refreshing to hear because there's so many people that just look at a business and they look at it as a business model without ever being a participant in what it's like to be an end user of that business. And I believe that, understanding it at a deeper level by having done a macro experience is going to help you so much be well one credible to clients but uh, also it's just going to help you be more successful and i I believe that the 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 chances of success for your company is considerably higher as a result of of having firsthand experience i believe that i think you have to i i mean i've I'm a products guy, like I said. I mean, certainly when, when I was uh, a, a rep, young rep 30 years ago selling prescription products for Procter & Gamble, like unless I had that certain disease state, you can't really take the products. So you can't speak from personal experience if you don't have a urinary tract infection or uh, a heart arrhythmia or a gastrointestinal disease. However, on the over-the-counter products like Metamucil, uh, which was one of the ones that I had, you know, yeah, I, I started taking it and I, I was in my mid twenties and did I really think about it that I think I needed it. No, but you know what was convinced enough of the science. It's like, I think that I could probably benefit from fiber therapy and have taken it fairly religiously for the last 30 years and still do today. Uh, so I think you have to walk the talk and even, you know, different spin. But when I left Procter and Gamble in 08, I went to a tech company, smart technologies, out of Calgary, which was the company that, that really invented and created the interactive whiteboard space. And I wasn't a tech guy other than uh, pretty tech curious, and you get immersed into it. Like if you can't walk the talk and be able to, even though I wasn't on the sales side, but I mean, you're always selling, you're always representing the company, you need to walk the talk. And even, you know, my team was spread around the world, so I would use the interactive whiteboard and the collaborative technology to conduct all my meetings and uh, you needed to be able to show that because I mean, Hey, when you were representing the company, you need to be able to say, well, I actually know how the technology works versus the embarrassment of saying, well, I'm not even sure how to turn the thing on. And we did have people (laughs) on our exec team at the company that didn't even know how to put, turn the whiteboard on. So (laughs) I hate those things. Yeah. In this case, I prefer prefer just the markers and a whiteboard. I'm good with that. (laughs) Wow. It, it, part of why I joined Optimi 
when I decided, so I was with the Business Development Bank for five years and it was wonderful. I was working with entrepreneur-led organizations that were on these great growth trajectories or in fact, they were looking to grow and they, they were certainly in the right condition. My advisory team, we helped hundreds of them and it was extremely rewarding. Uh, when I knew I was leaving and I was looking at several different opportunities to be a CEO, this is the one I kept coming back to because for the first 15 years of my career in the health and pharmaceutical space, I loved it. I never felt like I worked a day. And what I saw opportunity here with Optimi is this, this amazing, like we are a health and wellness company and a products company. So between having that opportunity to be back in the health and wellness space. Uh, I'm not going to lie, also being back west. So I was in Montreal the last five years and uh, my wife and I and, and youngest daughter moved back out here in the fall. Uh, I love being back out west, like it, it's home. That was attractive. But then it was also the, the four founders. And as I said, for all the reasons I described, on top of having other business interests, uh, being operators. So we're n- different because if you've studied the space and it sounds like you have, None of us are capital markets people. And I don't mean that with any disrespect other than we, we're all operators. We have run real businesses. And that shared passion is what interested me in saying, okay, there's something really here. There's this amazing potential with psychedelics. There's already a market for functional. So how can Optimi be a leader in those spaces and what does that look like? And ultimately that's uh, amongst the gentlemen choosing me and me choosing them. That was sort of what formed the marriage, but it was all coming back to saying you, you, you have to have a passion for what you're doing or it really is a job. And that's, I don't, I don't think uh, life's too short. You need purpose. There's yes. a, there's a million and one things I can do in my life. And uh, every now and then I get tempted because something would be cool or fun uh, even a TV show that I'm uh, I, that I could pitch right now to some producers. I'm like, yeah, that'd be fun, but what's my purpose? Yes. If, that, if that's what I'm doing, and if I'm not contributing to the planet in some way, like I believe I'm doing with this show, ah, not too interested. It's that sense of I, pur- I feel like I'm wasting my time, or I'm being selfish if that purpose isn't there. <laughs> Your um, business model. Let's say for for the start with the functional mushrooms, are you going to be doing any of the process like bottling the extracts and uh, putting together? Because uh, I got some up on, on my counter, some I don't know, some kind of really good extract that from mushrooms we got at some hippie show. It was it's good stuff though. I love throwing it a little bit in my coffee. Um, are, are you are you doing the the production part of it, like the extracting and bottling and packaging, and and um, uh, for wholesale? Or are you doing direct to retail? What's your product chain there? So we we've basically we have uh, seven products, including a protein powder. Uh, at this point, we use a co-packer uh, to put them together for us. Uh, we created the formulations. Uh, so everything from our, our defense, uh, immunity product, uh, longevity, mindful, and, and perform, and each has sort of a different here. And then we've got an Optimi blend, which is a mix of all the, uh, I, I'd say, top functional mushroom blends. They're all in capsule form. Uh, so basically you're taking a couple a day. And then we also have a protein powder, which is a protein powder plus the five uh, top functional mushrooms in it. And... We're at, at to get it out the door. I mean, we're we're doing it. We've got our own platform, uh, optimilife.com. 
So you're doing uh, direct to consumer then? We we are, but we also have some retail stores as well, and we're working on a bit of both. You know, it's uh, most of our marketing is is through the online, uh, through Instagram, uh, starting on TikTok, a uh, little bit on Facebook, but they get a bit funny when you m- mention the word fungi. Uh, if you've noticed, and you probably got bombarded with it, that if you're on Facebook, uh, thing you know, there's other products where. They are definitely have a mushroom base, but they don't say the word mushroom. And I, and I think like in part mud water. we also, yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you, you know, you ping on that and God love their algorithm. You seem to get a thousand. It's in your feed everywhere. Well, is mud water one of your uh, clients? Are you pr- providing for them? No, at this point we're not. Oh, put uh, put them on your prospect you as, list because I think they're doing pretty well. Yeah, I think they're doing pretty well too. I mean, we're as we're starting, like our first big batch of functional mushrooms, we're literally growing as we speak. And we're doing it as much as anything for our R&D purposes, just to be able to show that we can do it. We've had a lot of inbound interest to people saying, we already have mushroom products and everybody kind of sources their raw ingredients from the same place. And Others are looking for something that has a little more intrigue and interest like ours where, you know, it's a, we can produce a pharmaceutical grade functional mushroom. We're not going to be as cheap as the stuff that comes from China. We can't be like, we just, we can't compete on price, but that's not the point. It's, are you looking for something that's a made in Canada? So you can put a Canadian flag on it. Uh, That always goes well. And, and something that we know is going to be absolutely free of uh, microbials and contaminants and uh, at a, at a, therapeutic grade that might be a little different than what others are able to buy. And then it probably a more premium type product is what we envision. And that's where people, when they're making inbounds are sort of interested in that regard. So you'll, will you be providing just raw product for people like mud water if they want it as well? So you'll be doing the whole product chain from that's it. raw yes. product, wholesale, retail, do it all. That's correct. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're, we're quite happy with the way our product lineup is starting to get momentum in the marketplace through our online platform. Uh, we expect to launch in the States and we're looking at a few different partners to be able to launch actually in Europe as well as uh, uh, Southeast Asia. Uh, we've had surprising amount of interest. Uh, didn't expect that because quite frankly, I was looking at true international expansion beyond the U.S. a couple years down the road opportunities have sort of brought up front and center. And yeah, we, we expect because on the psilocybin side, while we will have products, I mean, the part we're not is what I would say is a, a discovery company that's going to take products right through to a phase through three clinical trial. We're, we're an ingredient supplier. We'll have products because in order to be in clinical trials, when people aren't drug formulators and we're getting requests from both, you need to have a product. So an encapsulated biomass product, encapsulated isolate or an encapsulated uh, extract product. So we can do all those. That's great. And, and it will be at different dosages and we'll have a, a, a master file that is able to get reference from regulatory bodies. But we don't have, you know, um, you know I'm not going to spend a couple hundred million dollars to try to take that individual product through to a phase three and into the marketplace. Uh, we expect that there'll be people that are interested, but there's entire companies in the space where that's their entire model, but they need raw psilocybin. So we're going to give them either biomass or extract. They're going to do their formulations and then they'll take them to market. And then on the functional side, same thing that uh, we, we will 
we may or may not use them in our products. Uh, and if we do, it would probably be for a premium product. We absolutely know people, though, that want them for theirs. And they're going to offer premium functional products and with a grown in Canada. And in that case, yes, we'd be the one supplying. For people that are just looking for the cheapest alternative and they're not as concerned about having the top quality, then uh, they're going to continue to get supplied from China. For legal public consumption, the path for cannabis started with prescriptions. So veterans could get a prescription, glaucoma, that kind of thing. So it started with medical cannabis. Um, How close is are psilocybin mushrooms to where you can get a prescription for it? How close is that getting? Optimistically, I think a few years away. Okay. Is that going to be the same path? Medical medical first and then recreational and otherwise? Yeah. And you know what? I don't even know if we'll see recreational, to be very honest. I, with cannabis, you, you had a government for years in, with the liber, sitting liberal government that when they were in the, opposition, the one they good thing they did for years. The, Sorry, what's that? The one good thing they did. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know what? They, they made it clear for years that that was something that they intended to do. I don't hear anybody on either any color of government suggesting that psilocybin and that's something that they're looking to do from recreational. Mm. There's absolutely interest and support on the, the medicinally legal. And, and I'd say again, from both sides of the floor on what that could look like and some interest. And the fact that you've got uh, uh, minister Bennett that is in this mental health, like the, the right pieces are being put into place to create a framework the piece that would be different is I don't think we're going to go the exact same route of cannabis uh, other than I hope that we see the medically regulated one where again, somebody let the physician, he or she choose the piece that needs to be in place is a level of a framework because the part I don't see happening or could potentially be problematic is somebody gets a prescription. Microdosing might be different, but for macrodosing, I think that somebody's going to have a better outcome unless they're really experienced if they're with a guide, if they're with somebody that guides that trip and therapy. And, and that's where I do believe in the clinic model and having a clinician, but I'd like the clinician, he or she, to be able to choose to say, I believe this is the regimen that I need or want for my patient and not have to have a, a, a hugely burdensome process of an 80-page document to support one treatment. Once the legalities helps anybody. Once the legalities allow for it, um, is it any part of your business model? Is any part of the vision to start um, hosting or sponsoring retreats and that kind of thing for for people to have a macro experience uh, with with us, ceremony? Us personally, no. Okay. Uh, would we do it in partnership? I mean, we've already announced supply agreements that we have in place, and a lot of it's in anticipation. Uh, with several of these journey centers. So our, our relationship would be from providing the safe supply. Uh, but ourselves hosting it, no, that, that's actually not part of our business model. Like we truly, as I said, see ourselves as the preeminent ingredient supplier and product supplier uh, for psilocybin and in this case as well, MDMA uh, products. It seems to me that the relationships that you're growing with retail outlets for the uh, functional mushrooms, if that was also expanded to creating relationships with all of the different cannabis distributors at this point with the functional mushrooms, when the legalities open up, that those 
relationships are already there and all you do is expand the product line. I think that'd be a great path for it. Absolutely. It, and that's why to be, it, it's one of many reasons why we have a functional mushroom lineup as much as anything, it's to get our name out there. You know, so the Optimi brand is very prominent and shows very well on our packaging for the functional mushrooms. And that's exactly it. It's familiarity. And we want people, when people trust a brand, then it becomes a little less of a leap that when there's another application of whatever that is that you go, oh, well, I I know that name brand and I I know what I like it. I trust it. Uh, And it becomes just an extension from a product standpoint. But that trust in promises already there. Oh, I know a few retailers. I'm going to have to uh, rep for you guys for for <laughs> get some of this going for the functional stuff. No, I'm I'm a big believer in in the functional mushrooms as well, and I think there's a fair like, isn't there a fair bit of science for a lot of the different strains of functional mushrooms as far as health benefits. Uh, like, what are some of the health benefits that people can um, look forward to with functional mushrooms? I think the one that's probably had the, the, the most hype, and, and again, when you see sort of the crossover products of ones that are immersed in or infused with coffee or chocolate, yeah. uh, is lion's mane. And there's been a lot of studies to look to say, you know, is lion's mane truly a nootropic? So meaning that it, it really can help with uh, uh, neural pathway, either development or connection. And to, the, the, the science is, is good. You know, to be very blunt, it's not great, but it's good. That would suggest, and then the experience and anecdotal experience is is super high, and a lot of people will swear by it that they just feel different if they didn't have their lion's mane for the day, and swear by it in that regard. And there's a pretty, I, I'd say, a pretty loyal following in that regard from people who take it. Uh, same could be safer. Same. Same could be said for turkey tail uh, from immunity. And, and I say that, and that's that one has probably even deeper roots in the Asian culture and First Nations, where turkey tail has been taken for thousands of years. Uh, in particular, that if somebody is, uh, I'll, I'll equate it to, uh, and quite frankly, I'm a longtime user of cold FX, which, which is effectively pharmaceutical grade ginseng, you know, oh, for okay. lack of a better description. So now that one has actually some good science and showing how it, it really can help boost your immune system uh, to help fight off, in this case, cold or, or potentially flu. Uh, turkey tail, again, research is, is pretty good. That would suggest that there's some real benefits from an immunity standpoint and what that can look like. Uh, and that, that's, you know, again, lots of... Uh, Lots of optimism from people who take it. Uh, and, and the same, again, Chaga for uh, defense uh, that has proven anti-inflammatory, antioxidant uh, benefits. And, and for that reason, again, very popular with individuals as well. And then in some cases, people are just looking for something that sort of gives you a bit of everything. Uh, we have a blend that would be the equivalent of like a... Uh, multivite that has all of them from the lion's mane, turkey tail, cordyceps, reishi, uh, chaga, and it's all all in one. Well, I like the chaga extract. That's what I got back on the counter. I throw a little bit in the coffee and hope for the best. Yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah, no, it's good stuff. Bill, I think we're about there, brother. And okay. um, we've covered a lot of good ground. Is there anything that we haven't covered that you wanted to share with the audience? No, I think that if the audience wants to really understand who we are, uh, I would welcome them to to go to our website and, and study more uh, just to see sort of who who we are and what we stand for. And as I said, I, I like I describe us as a health and wellness company. Uh, we're extremely passionate, and we are going to be a world leader in in psilocybin and the functional mushroom space. Uh, and I'll say psychedelics because we've invested in the technology. We have the state of the art facility and the science team that we will produce every product that you see from Optimi. It's going to have that promise of highest quality and an EU GMP or good manufacturing practice standard. Uh, and that includes MDMA. So for now, it will be our functional mushroom lineup, our psilocybin mushrooms, uh, which I think we understand the pathways that individuals can get it here in Canada, uh, and soon MDMA. Uh, so we're looking forward to serving the public in that regard. I'll make sure that your website link is in the show notes. So this is right now, this is live broadcast on all the different uh, channels. And as soon as we're done, I'll be uh, doing the audio version of it. And in that audio version, in the links, there will be a link to your to your website as well. Excellent. Well, I appreciate you having me. Uh, great topics to talk about. And always happy to share our story. Well, I can't wait to get down to uh, Princeton and have, have a visit of the facility. Yeah, love to take you for a tour. And, and like I said, love to introduce you to our cultivator. He is a character, uh, but he also knows his stuff extremely well, and he's just so entertaining to listen to because he he truly is passionate about what we're doing uh, and understands it, I think, better than anybody. Uh, people that have had the psilocybin ex- experience tend to be passionate about it. I've actually been criticized for being too passionate about, too excited about the experience, but it it's great. Like, it, it's such a fantastic experience. And actually, uh, before we close out, are you a different person because of a psilocybin experience? Is there a difference between the who you were before and after? I... Whether I would say I'm different, I, I would say what I what I appreciate it most is I, I'm a person who through life picks up on perspective, including learning from others, both on the positive and negative that, you know, people make mistakes, especially my friends. I actually learned from that. My experience is that I just got deeper perspective in, in terms of a lot of things about myself, my past, and I think future aspirations that... Uh, I would almost say it even humbled me a bit because you just get a little closer to things that maybe you didn't know you should or were afraid to. So in that sense, I think it's changed because it's just a deeper level of perspective that I feel that I've been able to get. Bill, please stay on the line. You're listening to Operation Tango Romeo, the Trauma Recovery Podcast for veterans, first responders, and their families. Hello, my friends. Thank you for sharing your time with me today. I hope you found value in today's episode. If you found this episode helpful, healing, or informative, please let me know by leaving a rating on either Spotify or Apple. And please share, share like the sugar bear on all of your social media channels. Because sharing is caring.